Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield on location today at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney as the NCC, the classic fall edition is underway. So I'm hoping we'll get some cattle to moo on command if that's what it takes. But we've got a lot of things happening in this market. I think it was one of the most interesting topsy-turvy weeks that I have seen in the trade. We're going to talk about how corn is not everybody's favorite at this point. We know wheat has had its struggle. Soybeans, on the other hand, saw a bit of a rally. We're also going to talk a little cotton and some outside market influences. A lot of things on this week's show. Stick around. we got more coming up after this. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines, and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, welcome back once again as we continue. We've got the guys from Tradeoffs joining us this week, as you can see. Uh, both John and PJ are on screen with me. And gentlemen, to say it was a topsy-turvy week, when we look at a trade that started on Monday, and how it ended up on a Friday. PJ, I want to kind of start with you. Did you expect a week to end like it did after the craziness of the early week? I expect the unexpected. I think last, what, Saturday when that all came out about Russia trying to back out of the Black Sea situation, and then the the preceding rally Monday, Tuesday to fall apart Wednesday, you kind of felt like that uh, potentially could happen. It was more about when, uh, not so much more about, uh, yeah, when it was going to happen, not so much if. that being said, I mean, a good close on Friday, especially soybeans. Like you said, corn's not exactly our friend currently. $7 has been pretty sticky, and we can't seem to break through that. Uh, I think over the last probably three months, we've tried four or five different times and just can't seem to bust out of it. And we sit in this 680, seems to be a magnet for this market, which is frustrating, but um, it is what it is, and it's still some great prices with the basis we are seeing here in the central Nebraska. We'll have to talk more about that in a moment. John, for you, you look at a Monday trade to a Friday trade, interesting ride. You know, every weekend headline rally, like PJ was saying, over the past three months has pretty much been the move has been to fade it, meaning sell it on the early in the week, because by the end of the week, we're usually back to neutral or, you know, where we closed on Friday. And that's exactly where we ended up. You know, um, July 23 Chicago wheat futures are 881, which is roughly where we started uh, or excuse me, closed uh, the prior Friday. Uh, corn futures love 680. They've been stuck in the 650 to $7 range. Uh, soybeans are the bright spot, though. We've had a heck of a nice rally from, uh, what, about 1380. We closed here at 1462 on the January board. Um, looking good. And like PJ said, basis is pretty wild <clears throat> no matter where you're at, whether you're in the Midwest or in the Southeast. Um, so, you know, I think it's indicative of uh, crush margins and uh, uh, crush margins on beans and uh, grind margins on ethanol. Uh, but also the fact that uh, the corn crop was definitely a little bit short. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about cotton with you and where you're located. Kind of talk our producers through it. So cotton um, has been on a downward slide ever since this summer. And, you know, we peaked out. If you look at old crop cotton from last year, about a buck fifty. But or December cotton peaked out around dollar thirty four and it has slid all the way down to 70 cents. And in the last four days, we're up 15 cents. And for those of you in the Midwest, uh, average cotton production is roughly about a thousand pounds an acre. So that's about $150 an acre swing in the last three days. We've had three limit moves in a row. Um, so the cotton market finally recognized that fundamentally with the Texas crop being so weak, 
um, that we could potentially, if we continue to have cheap cotton and export it at the pace we are, which is still below average, but we're so short of cotton fundamentally that um, we probably would honestly run out of cotton sometime in the middle of the summer, you know, but price action is clearly saying, wait a minute, we can't let that happen. And eventually it'll ration, but I, it clearly doesn't think it's found that price yet. We're, we're trading around 87 cents right now. Yeah, there I heard any- about cotton here. Uh, I can't remember what I was listening to, but they were talking about how you get in these recessionary times and yes, the carryout's very tight, but people can hold off buying new clothes, but they can't hold off eating. I don't know fundamentally how that fits the narrative, but that's, uh, I thought that I was think Most of the people in the cotton market and me included probably believe, try not to think directionally, but it was getting oversold based on recessionary fears and not actual recession and actual reduced consumption. So agree. Gotcha. What about from a, what, from a global perspective for, for this cotton? What are, what are you hearing? Is there any pressure coming? Well, you know, I mean, it, that kind of goes back to that statement. I was kind of talking global recession, you know, it's the, okay. the, the talk of it, which, you know, yeah, we know Europe and other places are a lot worse off than we are. We don't like it, you know, the inflation we're seeing here, but it's way worse other places. So, uh, but as of right now, with the cotton market dropping so much, some end users, you know, some textile mills did start pricing. I think that sparked the rally maybe. And then now funds are clearly trying to turn over their position maybe, or at least trying to exit because they do have some hellacious profits coming down from buck 34 all the way down here to 72 is where it bottomed at, or 70, excuse me. You know, before we know it, we're going to be talking about what we predict in the 2023 uh, planning acres. And for our viewers in Kansas who grow cotton, what are you hearing? Is there, because the way the prices and stuff are, is there a little bit of a pullback maybe happening? Well, definitely. Right now, if you look at it on paper, at least I I don't know about Kansas profitability. I'll be honest there. I don't know exactly, you know, but from a standpoint of Southeast United States, um, right now, cotton is a huge loser because it's still for December 23 cotton around 76 cents versus uh, December corn at uh, six and a quarter. Um, And then, of course, you got wheat, which you can double crop beans here in the Southeast. Right now, I mean, there would be no reason really to plant cotton unless it just fit in your rotation which a lot of guys will always plant cotton because it uh, actually helps with pest control because the same pests don't attack mm-hmm. grains as right. cotton. So, so that would be about the only reason if you just were looking at purely at numbers to, to plant cotton right now as the current things stand, if you had to make your decision today. Well, PJ, I won't use the exact <coughs> words you used before we started this program, but corn market has definitely had some issues this week. It has. I just go back to kind of what I said to start the $7 handle on, on these corn has just been, almost impossible to get through going back to <clears throat> we haven't been above it since late June. And I think you start looking at that. It's what's going to give, what more bullish news can we throw at this corn market to get it to break out to the upside? Uh, I guess in my mind, you, you look and maybe China's coming out a little bit of their zero COVID policy, but if South America and Brazil, you know, China's going to start buying Brazilian corn, it sounds like, and, and they get off to a, a good start, which by all accounts they are, what does that mean for the global corn market and our exports? Although our internal U.S. demand is strong, there, there's no doubt about that when you start talking, you know, positive 50 to 100 over basis in the Midwest, but it can't make up for our lack of exports. And so I just fear as we move forward, if South America has a decent crop and we get off to a decent start, what happens to these prices? There's really no reason for them to hang around. And I guess I'm, I'm more fearful to the downside and what that means to profitability for farmers. And you look at maybe some of the more reputable uh, 
Uh, people in the industry that try to predict prices and are very predictive thinking, they have went from being extremely bullish to neutral to bearish in the last, uh, I'd say, 60 days. And I think a lot of that's on the heels of higher dollar and weaker exports. And anytime you have that happen, the demand destruction is happening out there. It's happening quietly and it's not happening domestically. So I guess my my thing to my clients is if they're here to get very heavily sold on your 22 of what you have left, this is a great opportunity to. And if there's a year to get, you know, maybe even the the cart ahead of the horse, so to speak, of our seasonal selling time frame, I'm all for it when you're talking 625 corn. You know, last year our early sales were five and a quarter to 575. This year they're they could be six and a quarter or better. Um, you can protect margin, you can make profit, and and that's the biggest thing right now. You don't want to give up what's been two good years of profitability in one year because you thought it had to go higher. All right. Well, as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, uh, PJ, let's look at basis. I want to ask both you and John your thoughts on basis for each of your neck of the woods. For you, um, what are you hearing for farmers? Uh, <clears throat> this week's been very active in the basis markets, especially ethanol has really popped its head up. Rail's been a little quieter, but ethanol had, I think, to the tune of a $1.20 type rally to the positive, which has got them trying to go out and, and source grain to offset the ethanol as well. I mean, a great situation. You know, like I said, you could throw a stick and be 40 to 80 over, depending on where you're at in central Nebraska. Uh, so that's 750 plus corn in a lot of spots. Honestly, a home run, it feels like, and does it get better? I mean, it definitely can, I guess, and I'll, I'll kind of pin this back on Don, too. He spent more time commercial grain trading than I did. But at some point here, you know, we were five cent carry, and I think the best was seven to nine, kind of in there. As this carry slowly gets sucked out of the market and our nearby basis is so strong, basis doesn't necessarily have to get better or necessarily get worse. The commercial can puke on it because of spreads. And I just I'm more fearful probably of that or I shouldn't even say fearful, but just trying to bring that to a producer's attention just solely from the standpoint that everything has went straight up basis. Uh, futures mm -hmm. went flat, but basis has went nothing but straight up. So there's this thought in everyone's head. Uh, it happens about every decade. Every farmer becomes a basis trader. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be paying attention to it. But I'm saying there's a lot more that goes into it than just your local market and what you're seeing in your local market. So you got to be cognizant of the fact uh, does Kansas have their needs fulfilled to January? Uh, does Oklahoma? If they do, by and large, eventually this grain's going to start trickling back. Uh, the softness will move north. And you're talking about a big crop in, in Minnesota that, uh, albeit the gophers don't have a whole lot going for them, they do have a big corn crop that will make its way uh, south here to fulfill some of the needs and put a hole and stop to the basis run-up. Well, you know what they always say about, about gophers and corn. So just you be watching yourself. Uh, John, let's let's go over to you. What about basis for your neck of the woods? So down here in the southeast, you know, we did have a short crop. Um, we were in a pretty bad drought, you know, basically from, you know, the boot hill of Missouri and then just keep coming southeast and south of the Gulf. I mean, it's dry. I had a client that was just deer hunting up in Kentucky. Uh, I think their average up there was right around 100 bushel the acre. And it does get worse further south you come. You know, we're going to be sub 90 here in Alabama, which, again, Alabama is not a lot. But you collectively take all of those states basically south of the Ohio River that don't even get counted in most surveys. They've had three or four really, really good years. Right. And so that was probably supplementing the balance sheet. But we didn't realize how much. So I do think basis down here is strong. Uh, mills are staying full right now, but you're starting to see numbers trade 
that are probably 30 to 40 cents higher or not trade, excuse me, numbers that are bid 30 to 40 cents higher than normal for this time of year, because I think they are fearful that it could, you know, continue to ratchet up. Uh, but like PJ said, though, if we kill this export market even more and, and Brazil starts exporting this corn, you know, we talked about about six months ago, they were getting approval and it, it finally got done. And that will be a big deal. And if China and other countries start sourcing corn from there, you know, it, it's going to have, like you said, that ripple effect is going to come. It's going to move north, you know, from the south to the north and bases could start to, to uh, get a little pop in. So. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for joining us this week. We want to remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.